Welcome to Making It Happen, a career in the performing arts, where we discuss how to break into the performing arts industry for yourself or your child, teen, or young adult. Guests include artists, creatives, casting directors, musical directors, choreographers, agents, and managers, as well as parents of young professional actor, singer, dancers, all who are passionate and share my vision of helping talented individuals land professional representation and have successful careers in the arts. My name is Lisa Solak and I am the CEO and founder of Making It Happen, a career in the performing arts, having helped hundreds of clients break into the business on stage, in films, television, commercial work, and more. This podcast is supplemental to my groundbreaking online courses, Professional Kids and Teens 101, a primer for parents, and Professional Biz 201 for young adults, college students, and graduates. For more information, check out all the ways you can benefit from my courses, programs, free weekly newsletter, and free guides. You can go to lbctalent.com. My guest today is Susan Bunnell. Hey, Susan, how are you? I'm good, Lisa, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited that you're here. You're the first parent that I'm having on the podcast. So I'm really excited to let people hear your story and to help the listeners to possibly get their kids or teens involved. Sure. Yeah, it was um, it was a really fun time uh, in my life and my child's life. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. It was it was just a really neat experience for both of us. And I'm happy to share my experience with others who are thinking about jumping in. Okay. All right. Amazing. So can you start by kind of giving us an idea of how you guys got started, how old he was, um, uh, your son, Jeremy, and, um, you know, kind of a little bit about him, because I think there are parents who are listening, who are considering doing this. They're looking at their child and saying, are they ready? Is this something that they, they maybe just want to do, but are they really ready to do it? Uh, and what, what was that journey like, the beginning of the journey for you and Jeremy? Sure. Um, I mean, Jeremy didn't really have any experience per se as, as an actor. You know, he didn't start in dance from a very young age. He just sort of thought it would be fun to be on TV. Um, and, it, you know, we, we sort of met you and, and hooked up with you at a picnic, of all things. And you said, boy, he's kind of cute he'd probably be good in commercials. And that was all he had to hear. He's like, I want to be in commercials. Um, he was, I guess, eight at the time. Um, he turned nine shortly after we started, um, or at beginning of third grade. And you just took a picture of him. I mean, it, he, he was in a t-shirt and he had a buzz cut. He was growing out a buzz cut from the summer. And, um, uh, we just thought it'd be fun and, and something fun that he wanted to try sort of as an extracurricular activity. You know, it, it wasn't at that age. He didn't know what he wanted to do um, other than be on TV for him. The appeal was, Oh, sure. I want to be on TV. That sounds like fun. Um, and so we, we sort of just on a lark, let you take that picture and send it off to your manager friend. And, and lo and behold, uh, he got a call for an audition. And it was the funniest thing because I had a commitment with my older son that day. And I'm like, I can't take him into New York today. I, I can't do this. Um, and we almost passed up that first audition. And I was so glad that we didn't. Um, we, we sort of worked out schedules and Jeremy's dad took him into the city and he booked the very first show we auditioned. Or it was a TV commercial. Wait, stop. Yeah. The very first. Mm -hmm. The very first. And I know that that's unusual, you know, like that's, that's really not how it generally happens. I don't know if it was beginner's luck, if it was just the look that 
he had the look that they were looking for. Um, he had a natural confidence and I don't really know where that came from, but he, he definitely had a natural confidence. Um, and he was very good talking to adults, you know, so even at a young age, he was comfortable talking to adults. He could present himself oddly professionally as a, as a young child. Um, and he just, he just had what they were looking for. And so sure enough, the very first audition he went on, we got the call back and much to his manager's surprise, I can tell you that because who would have thought that it just doesn't happen. It's crazy Because honestly, let me interject that. Like normally I tell clients that it let your child have six, eight, 10 auditions and let them just get used to it, kind of get their feet wet and get a feel for what they need to do in the room, especially when they're little. So for him to walk into his first audition, get a callback, and then he then what happened at the callback? Like, what was that experience like specifically at the callback? Um, well, you know, we saw a lot of the kids that we had seen at the audition, right? Because you, you go into this, it was a big, long hallway. Um, and you saw all these kids and, and they took in groups of kids and, and it helped that it was, it was an odd, it was a commercial that involved a lot of kids. So it wasn't like he was chosen necessarily as, as the boy, it, you know, he was one of several boys that, that were hired for that. And um, the callback, you know, you saw some of the same kids that you had seen at the audition. Um, and, and I guess there was a certain familiarity there then too, for him. He's like, Oh, look, these other kids are here that I saw last week. And, uh, and so I, you know, you don't hear right away. They don't tell you on the spot whether or not you were hired, but we got the call probably within two days and it was his manager saying he booked it. How did, how did that happen? That never happens. And, uh, and it was kind of off and running from there. He wound up working for a full week for that, for that TV. Commercial. Did. An mm-hmm. entire week. That's An entire week. So some parents literally are concerned about that. Like they think, oh my gosh, how is my child going to be able to be on set? How is he going to react to things? Is he going to follow directions? All of that. How did you feel going into it? And what ultimately ended up happening on set for that? That was a full week. That's a lot for an eight-year-old. It it was, it was. Um, you know, we didn't really know what to expect, right? Because it's the first time for, for everything, right? We, we'd never been on a set before. We'd never done wardrobe before. We had, we had no idea what to expect. Um, it was a very relaxed set, which was very nice. We weren't some that weren't quite so relaxed later on in his career, but, but from the beginning, it, it was, it was very relaxed. Like I said, there were a lot of kids there. So you saw all different types of kids, right? And all sorts of different behaviors from the kids and the parents. Um, he just seemed to naturally know what to do. Um, and he did, he never took direction from me very well, but he always took direction from a director very well. And, and I think that was one of the reasons why he was invited back for the additional shoot days, because he just, he handled himself appropriately um, and professionally. And it, it's hard to get that concept across, I think, to an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old, but they have an instinct. I think that if if they have an instinct for the business and they want it badly enough, then they are going to listen to a director. They are going to listen to the production assistants. They are going to sit quietly for the makeup lady to touch up their makeup. And and so if they want it, they're going to behave appropriately. That's that's my view on it. And I think that the direction, the director and the production staff respond well to kids who who understand that. Um, yeah, and I think so it worked kids, out really well for him. Yeah, I think kids have to be able to read a room, you know, and they have to be comfortable enough to take direction from people that they just met. So mm-hmm. for him, he obviously was able to, like you mentioned, to speak to adults 
appropriately and be confident enough to not hide behind your leg or be quiet mm-hmm. and not say what he felt or answer them appropriately, they probably noticed that right away and thought, oh, this child is going to be so easy to work with. Because mm-hmm. for them to invite him back, he was he was invited back every day. And did they every tell, day. did they tell you each day that he was coming back? How did mm-hmm. you find out they did? Yeah. Yeah, they would tell us like by mid-afternoon, um, they would choose different kids to come back. And some kids were invited every day. It was a five-day shoot. Um, some kids were invited every day. Some you never saw again after the first day. Others you would see at different days, depending on what it was that they were shooting on that particular day. Okay. Um, but he was there every day. And, you know, it's not constant work. You know, there's a lot of downtime. So they'd call him onto set. They would do a couple of takes. And then he would have some more downtime. And they would change the shots. They would change the different kids that they were using in the, in the shoot. And so it wasn't like he had to be on at least for that particular shoot all day long. You, you know, there was a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. It was and it's important for your kid to be able to manage that downtime too. Right. Yes. Um, because, because it is a lot of hurry up and wait. And so you do need a child who's mature enough not to have a meltdown or be able to take I don't know, I want to say an internal break, just kind of understand that now's the time for me to relax, but be able to turn it back on when he's called up to be in front of the camera again. Mm-hmm. That, that takes a really mature child. Um, I do have some clients and I had the same experience with my kids um, that they did also just know what to do. They just reacted really well to the whole situation. Same kind of naturally knew how to handle themselves in those moments. But it's interesting that you say, take an internal break to be able to kind of rest and then be able to turn it on at a moment's notice when they're back in front of the camera. Um, how did he feel about all of it by the end of the week? Was he, did he have fun? Did was he excited? <laughs> he loved it. He loved it. I mean, it was just such a rush, right? Okay. Because here you've, you're getting this validation, right? That you did a good job. They want you to come back. They're happy with your work. And who doesn't love that, right? Even as an adult, right? You have a good annual review and you feel good about yourself and, and you want to work harder. You want to do the right thing for the for the next time, right? It's, it's a thrill. Um, and that's how he responded to it. He just thought it was really cool and really fun. <laughs> he got paid. <laughs> You know, there's a great motivator too, you know? Um, So he was ready to go. He was ready to go. He was ready for the next, the next audition. Yeah. There was, there was never a question from that, from that point on that it wasn't something he, he didn't want to do. He wanted to do it. He was ready for the next opportunity. Okay. Okay. Which a lot of times that happens. I think, you know, the kids have the opportunity. They don't really have any sense of what that is. Then they go to their first opportunity, their first booking, and they either say, yeah, this is for me, or you know what, it's not really for me, or maybe I want to try a different type of work, because there's obviously not just commercial work, but there's all the other film, television, stage, um, voiceover work, um, you know, all of that type of thing. So one other question regarding the first booking, how did you handle and what actually transpired in regard to school? Was he in public school? Was he in private school? Was he doing distance learning? What was happening at that time? He was in public school. Um, and we were very fortunate that the teacher that he heard had, he was in third grade at the time. She thought it was cool too, right? I mean, how cool is it that you've got a student who's acting, right? And, and is working professionally in New York and 
And it was it was fun for her to be able to say that she had a student who was doing this. And the school was was very accommodating. And I, I know that's not the case all the time and not every school district. I think you had an issue with the with one of the schools for your kids along the way. But but we were very fortunate. And his third grade teacher really embraced the process and was very good about giving us the work to do in advance. Um, and he did have some time on set to be able to do the, the schoolwork. You know, we were never in a situation where we had a tutor, right? I mean, I know that that if, you're, if your child's involved in a longer production, there'll be a tutor on set and, and you would be able to work with a tutor. This wasn't that sort of an environment, but he was able to keep up with the work. You, you know, it wasn't going to Harvard. It was third grade. So, <laughs> you know, so, so it, it worked out okay. You know, and I think he also began to understand if I want to do this, then I need to do the work to keep up with the schoolwork because mom's going to pull the plug if my grades start to suffer. And he knew that from the start. And we had laid that down from the very beginning. Sure, we can try this, but you need to do the work to keep up your grades. And and he was willing to do that because he wanted to do the work. Sure, sure. He was excited for it. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Can we take a step backwards for one second? I want to ask you, when you received the opportunity to take him to the interview for representation with Mm -hmm. the management company, what was required of him in that moment and how, what do you remember about that actual interview? I think people would be interested to kind of know what he had to do in that moment and how that went. Sure. Uh, it was re- it was relatively brief. Uh, he went in and he spoke with the the manager and his assistant for a couple of minutes, and then they gave him a, a probably a one page script. It was probably a commercial script. Um, it, you know, it wasn't like he had to memorize you know Hamlet or anything. It was it was a commercial script, and they sent him out to the lobby, and we kind of worked through the script a little bit, and then he was called back in probably about fifteen or twenty minutes later to read through it uh, with the manager and. Ironically, Jeremy had a learning disability and he he was not a very good reader at the time. And the manager said very clearly to me, he's like, you know, he's not much of a reader. And I said, yeah, I know that. He said, but he's got a look that we could probably work with. So we'll give him a shot. You know, it was very much a we'll give him a shot kind of a thing. And it just it just so happened that he had the look. Um, Jeremy was a real sports kid. So, you know, he played baseball, he played ice hockey, you know, so he did have a certain uh, look. And I think even just that clean cut with the short hair and not every kid was like that. I mean, we encountered all different types of young boys in the in the audition process. And I'm sure that on the days the audition, the jobs Jeremy didn't get, it was because they were looking for a different look. Right. But Mm -hmm. but there were plenty of opportunities for him with the look that he had. Um, to be able to be able to work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so the, the first that the management interview was was really kind of low key. Um, again, I do think that ability to speak to adults played into it there, right? Even with his inability to read very well, he was able to communicate in such a way um, outside of the reading piece of it. There was a certain attraction there for the management company that they were willing to give him a shot. Sure. I understand that because I think even at that young age, even younger than he was, he was eight, but younger than that, even um, normally they don't really sign people. Um, Managers and agents won't sign a child eight and under. They'll say, well, we'll send them out. You know, we'll send them out and see how they do. I mean, that was definitely the situation with Jeremy. I mean, it was it was a we'll, we'll give it a shot. It, you know, it was we we left that day. We don't know if he's going to get anything, you know, and it was definitely a well, we'll, we'll give it a shot. And within a week, we had gotten a call for that first audition. 
Nice. Yeah. Because I think him being able to speak to an adult and being like energetic and bubbly and having that sparkle in his eye and being able to talk in that way right away, the manager or agent is thinking, Oh, they're going to be able to sell themselves in the audition Mm -hmm. because look what they're doing here for me. And that's just in conversation. That's a really big, important part of it. Even when they're very young, even when Mm -hmm. Jeremy was. Yeah. So Jeremy right out of the gate, books his first audition which is incredible and very Mm -hmm. exciting congratulations on that i think Mm -hmm. a lot of the listeners would want to know how you were juggling all of that with school as well as how many auditions was he going to per week or per month or did it did it flow in a certain way is it that's something that a lot of parents kind of are worried about they think oh i'm going to get involved we're going to get signed with a manager and agent and now we're going to have to do all of this and it's going to be every day of the week you know we're going to be doing self-tapes or we're going to have to go in for callbacks into whatever city wherever they live you know um and how can i juggle that with the rest of my family and how do i juggle that with my work and how how did that all work out for you as far as the flow of the auditions and how you handled that um, in conjunction with what you had to deal with at home, whatever that was, working, a sibling, whatever that was for you. Sure. Um, well, I was not working at the time. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. So that certainly made it easier, okay. right? Because I was available. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the auditions were after school hours. So maybe Jeremy would miss his last period of class. And we were very fortunate for whatever reason that first year that he did it, that last period was always a special, you, oh, you know, so he would miss, it was just a coincidence, you know, he missed gym or he'd miss library. So we were commuting from central New Jersey into New York City. So I could pick him up after school or, you know, before that last period. And we'd jump on the train. It depended on where we needed to be in the city and what time the audition was. Most of the times we would take the train. Sometimes I would drive in. You know, we were we were able to manage it. My my I had an older son, but I also had a lot of support from my mom at the time. My sister, she would be available. So Michael didn't necessarily my older son didn't have to come home to an empty house. They could take him to different activities that he had after school. Sometimes it got to be a challenge if he had certain things that he needed to do and he wanted his mom to be there for. And at that time, Jeremy's dad would take him into the city. So I'd be available for Michael or different activities that I had commitments for. Not working, I think, made it a lot easier. I think now it's probably a little bit different because we would do occasional self-tapes. I think COVID probably changed the face yeah, of the commuting a little bit. completely changed the entire process. But I think the self-tape world has opened up a lot of opportunity to individuals who live further out even, you know, it makes it a lot easier in that regard. Some people like it, some people don't like it. You know, it depends on how you audition. Some people might audition better in the room because it's a one-on-one and you're actually you know, you're feeling that human connection where this is now on film. So it's a little bit different, but I don't think it's going to change. I think it's going to stay in that space. And I believe everyone in the professional space agrees that it's going to stay in a self-tape kind of a world, at least for the first filter of looking at people. Yeah. And I think that that makes sense, you know, because there was a certain expense, certainly, that we had in commuting into the city. In terms of how often we were going, it would depend on the week. Um, There were weeks that we were in three times after school. You know, we would go in sometimes on a Saturday, not occasionally on a Sunday afternoon. Very rarely you'd get something on a Sunday afternoon. Most of them were after school during the week. Mm -hmm. 
there would be a week that maybe we went in once. There would maybe be a week that we went in two or three times. Mm-hmm. There were afternoons that we had back-to-back auditions. I remember oh. one afternoon, we had three auditions that we had to hit. And we ping-ponged around the city that day. You How know, we got really good on the subway, got really good with taxi cabs. But we had three this one afternoon. And Jeremy's manager, actually, we had two scheduled. And then he called while we were in the city and said, can you get to this one? And I'm like, okay, we'll give it a shot. And we did. We made it to all three of them. Right, right. And, and you know, that that was part of the excitement, I think, for both of us, you know, because it became a game. Could we do all this this afternoon? How are we going to do it? You know, Jeremy, to this day, he, he knows the subway system, it, you know? I mean, it builds a lot of knowledge, adult knowledge, right? Information that you wouldn't have until much later in life. He got at a very early age because he had to navigate how to get around in the city, you know, how to find the building, how to get up in the elevator, how to ask for the bathroom key, right? I mean, like, it's just, it seems kind of silly, but but it was all part of it, you know? I guess being able to self-tape is definitely going to make it more accessible for people because you can do that in the comfort of your home and you're not racing and you can do it on your own timetable, right? So you don't have to leave school early. Maybe you could do it after homework and a snack, right? And make it an evening activity. Um, That being said, that was also a little bit of a challenge when we did have self-tapes because again, I was then the director and he doesn't take direction from me as well as he did from a director or casting agent. So, so, you know, he wasn't always so willing to do that, that extra take for me. There's a little bit of a give and take with your child there. I think you probably have to, to read your own relationship with your child and your child's willingness to work with you to accomplish some of those tasks, which was a little bit less pressure for me at the time that we were doing it because we were mostly going into the city. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. That's a, that's a really great point that you bring up the whole relationship with your child and having to go through that motion. A lot of people today have created setups in their homes, whether mm-hmm. it's in their basement or in a special room or a playroom or whatever, where they've actually got a backdrop and they've got a tripod and they're using their phones. Obviously the phones are so advanced now. Mm-hmm. It's really not very expensive to do the setup, but yes, you are so right. The relationship and what you have to do to get them to do it. It's a different vibe from the, when they go in the room and they're in front of a director, they're in front of, you know, the casting director, whoever's auditioning them. That's a whole different animal there. They have to turn it on in that moment in the basement, in the quiet, while the sibling is upstairs mm-hmm. watching TV or doing whatever, playing outside. So that can become a little bit of a, of a frustration at times, I can imagine. So, I mean, we were, we did do some self tapes and uh, I don't know if it was my directing skills or just the fact that I was his mother, but, but that it was challenging. That, that was a bit of a challenge, but it's just part of the process, right? You, you have to be willing to accept all the different facets of the process, right? One of the things that we, we always had to work through was learning lines, right? Because there were a lot of times, not so much with the commercial work, a lot of times with the commercial work, you would get the sides when you got there, but. If you were auditioning for a TV show or, well, mostly the TV shows, we did a couple of movie auditions, but they would send you three to five pages of script. And now here you are 
trying to get your child who doesn't have an audition this afternoon. What do you mean I have to work on this script, right? It was a free afternoon. If you weren't in the city, why did I have to do this? Well, because you have to learn this to go to the city tomorrow. We needed to work through a process of, of how to learn those lines. And that, that was hard, you know, and I think that some kids probably have a better affinity for that sort of memorization. That was not Jeremy Strong's suit at all. Okay. And, uh-huh. and I think that that ultimately was one of the reasons why he decided to drop back. Okay. Um, I mean, he, he worked for close to three years and, and he was, okay. was employed for a good portion. He, he booked a lot of work in those, those three years that he did it. But as he got older, opportunities that he was being given involved a lot more script work and memorization. Okay. And that was hard for him to do. And, and that, that became a challenge that became mm-hmm. a challenge for him, but he needed to be active and, and his, his style and my style were very different. I remember memorizing things as a kid, you sat in a quiet room and you said it over and over again, and you said it out loud. Well, he needed to be active. He needed to throw a ball you know, or the craziest thing, he would, he wouldn't mind working on them in the bathtub. And I got a laminator and I would laminate the pages of script and it became like a bath time toy activity that we would do. And he would hang out in the bathtub and he would hold his laminated script pages. That's crazy. Now I'm thinking about it that we did that, but that was when he was willing to do it. I had his undivided attention. He could play with the bubbles. He could play with the tub toys and, but he that was when mind. He was very relaxed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And it wasn't, it, it just was an easier time for him to do it. So, or he would throw a ball against the stairs in the house and it was driving me crazy. Cause I'm like, how can he be learning these? He has to be concentrating, but that was his method of concentration. So I think again, so much of this is just knowing your child or learning your child or learning different traits about your child or what works for your child and what doesn't work and what works for you might not work for him. So you have to meet your child where they are um, in terms of allowing them to be successful or work through their own process that works for them. Yeah, that's wonderful, wonderful advice. <laughs> because just like you said, I mean, I can't even imagine doing that, you know, and, and, and honestly, like you, you just hit the nail on the head by saying you have to work through, you have to know your own child, know how they work, know what they do well, and then try to work with that to make it fun. Because if it's not fun, if it becomes something that's a stressor, they're not going to want to do it. And you know that they love being on set. You know that they're meant for doing what they're doing, especially if he booked that much. You just mentioned that he did it for approximately three years and that he Mm -hmm. did book a lot of things. So in your mind, we're there any particular auditions or bookings that stand out to you as a moment where he learned something or you learned something um, that you could share with us? I know that's a lot to ask because there's there was a lot there were a lot of them. He probably learned something from each experience, but were there any that stood out? I know he was also um, on Boardwalk Empire, and most mm-hmm. listeners probably are very familiar with that show. So that might be one, but yeah. Tell us a little bit about the bookings that stood out to you and possibly gave him something educationally that he took with him along the way. Well, certainly he did one national TV commercial. I don't, can I say who it was for? Yeah, 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 of course. Of course. All right, so he, he did in a telecommercial and um, that was a long day on set. And, and I think that he learned that day 
perseverance and working through being tired and being, well, not hungry because you ate very well on set. I'll tell you that there was the, the breakfast food truck and there was craft table was out all day and there was lunch. And I mean, the, the eating was very good in this profession, but that, that particular day was a very long day. You know, it was a national commercial. We had gone to a separate wardrobe fitting. Um, the, the, the stakes seemed very high that day, right? Uh, we were shooting at, in a private home out in Long Island. So it had taken us a while to get there in the morning. And they started from the morning, from the, the minute we got there, it was probably a 7am call. I mean, it was very early that we were there. He had to sit through a a lot of different takes. You know, there were takes where he was the central figure. There were takes where the mom was a central figure. There was another take where the, the daughter was. And then they changed all the camera angles. And he was expected just to sit on that bar stool in that kitchen and be on all day long. And it started to wind down towards the afternoon and they still had another take. And they came around to the parents and said, do you think your child has it in them? And I said, well, I don't know. I have to ask him about that. And, you know, knowing that if any one of that child actors that day had said, no, we can't do it. It was going to be another whole day of shooting and they were going to have to pull everybody back. And I pulled them aside and I said to him, listen, I don't know how much longer it's going to take, but do you have it in you? And he said, I can do it. You know, yeah, I can, I can do it. I can pull it off. And he, and he did, you know, and they were so happy with them and the result was fabulous. I mean, it, it ran for months. And um, so, so I think that that particular day he learned you know, the importance of a work ethic and, and what his role in the bigger picture really meant. And, and that's a great lesson to learn, right? I mean, there are adults, I think, who don't necessarily understand that. Absolutely. But for him to get that message and understand the implications of his role that day was big. That was, that was big for a nine-year-old. He was probably nine or 10 at the time, but, but that, that was very important. I, I think that was a, a great life lesson to learn that day. All of them were fun in different ways, you know, and, and he did a variety of work. He did some some print, which was great, you know, and that was that was a different vibe in, in those in those rooms. Right. You know, that was it was it was a print. You stood in one place and they took your picture, it, you know, um, the commercial work was kind of fun because it was short. The role was in and out, right? There wasn't a lot of script to learn. You know, it was, mom, have you seen my backpack? You know, you could say that all day long. And in fact, that's what he did. He said that all day long, that same line. But I, I think that that was learning adult things at a young age and having the confidence to put yourself out there is, was just a wonderful learning experience for him. And, I, and it carries through to this day. I mean, you can, you can see in him the confidence, the effects of learning that and going through that process has on him to this day. Really? As an adult? Yeah. Mm -hmm. As an adult. Sure. Cause you don't, you don't unlearn those lessons, yes. right? You, you, you take that with you. And I, I think that's great that he, he was able to do that at such a young age and be successful and build that confidence and, and have that direction in his life. Mm -hmm. I think people don't understand that there's so many people working. You know, you don't know what to expect, right? You've seen on TV picture, you know, a, a TV show about a TV showing show being made, right? So you think you understand what it's like. Well, you don't in, until you get there, right? And it takes a while to understand who's who, right? And there aren't introductions. It's it's not like they go around the room and tell you who everybody is, right? So you as the parent also have to be aware of who's who. 
who you need to not so much report to, but, but who the key players are, right? It, you know, you want to be nice to everybody. You want to be nice to the wardrobe lady. You want to be nice to the, the makeup lady. You want to identify who the production assistants are because they're going to be the ones that you can go to in the middle of the day and ask about something that you're seeing on a monitor, right? You can't just barge onto the set and say to the director, what are you doing with my kid, right? Because they're working. You, you, you have to... You have to identify who those people are that you can go to. And they usually, I mean, at the time they had a production assistant who was kind of assigned the parents, right? Um, but that wasn't always the case. If he was the only child who was on set and that happened several times, then you needed to know who you needed to go to. And so you had to be alert and aware. And I, I don't want to use the word advocate for your child because it's not a situation. I think that advocating for your child has certain connotations where, you know, you need to get in front of him and protect him. That's not your role in this situation at all. Not They've hired your child. Your child's there and expected to do a job. And while you need to be aware of what they're asking him to do, your role is not there to advocate and intercede if you don't like something. They're the director, you are not. And so you need to you need to be respectful of the process that's happening, both as a parent and on behalf of your child. And if your child needs assistance in understanding that, then it's your role to help your child understand where they need to be in that in that process. But you, you can't advocate in the normal sense of putting yourself between them and the process. I guess that's Absolutely. what I was saying. Yeah, about. because honestly, they don't hire you. They hire your child. Mm -mm. Your transportation, you're making sure that they are using the restroom appropriately. You're making sure that they have gotten a drink of water to make sure that mm -hmm. when they go back in front of the camera again, they can work for a set amount of time and aren't going to immediately, when they're back in front of the camera, say, oh, I need a drink or, oh, I need to use the restroom. <laughs> you but that's bathroom. your that's your responsibility, you know, mm -hmm. if, and you, when you are on set, there's so many people doing so many different jobs and focused on those individual jobs that you can't interrupt them and they don't want to talk mm -hmm. to you and they don't want to, even if you're trying to learn in that space, you have to do it quietly. You have to just mm -hmm. have to be where you need to be. Make sure you are within eye shot or earshot at least of your child, make sure that they're safe and they're treating them appropriately. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's funny, we joke about this all the time, but you told me that as a stage mom, I should wear beige and blend into the background. And I don't think you thought I was going to take that literally, but in fact, I did. And oh, no. I, had, I would wear khaki pants and a beige sweater, and I would just stay in the background. And, and I think that word gets around, right? And here's a kid who's dynamic and engaged, and we would get called back to the same casting offices all the time. And I think part of that was because of how he behaved on set and because I earned a reputation as a mom who was easy to deal with, right? And I believe his manager, if you asked him today, if if that was also the situation, he would agree, right? You know, he and he and Jeremy had a great relationship, but he and I also had a great relationship, right? And he knew he could trust me to be on time 
and have Jeremy ready and have my paperwork and documentation all in order because it made him look good too, right? Yes, From absolutely. a manager's yes, perspective, yes, yes. it made him look like, oh, wow, this guy's getting me a good kid with a good work ethic, with a mom who's not going to get in the way, but is going to have all of her ducks in a row. And, and I think that that contributed towards Jeremy's success over the years that we did it too. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah. A lot of what I talk about in the course is how to make sure you have all those pieces together and all the people that have gone through the course that we've helped over the years, which you had a lot to do with in the beginning. Thank you very much. Publicly, I want to say that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of, of that teaching is to make sure that the parents understand what that responsibility is, which this is a perfect segue to keeping track of all the record because as exciting and fun this is, for mm-hmm. the child and for the parent, because it is exciting. It is kind of a game that you're playing along the way. There's that other side of record keeping and of making sure that all of that is happening appropriately and correctly and being able to not get into any kind of you know trouble along the way with that. So you had a really great way of keeping track of things. And maybe if you could touch on that a little bit, I think that'd be really helpful, especially for people who have children who are just getting involved in this. So yeah, there's the business side of it, right? Because your child is working. There's their paychecks involved. You know, there there are checks that you need to keep track of whether or not he got paid for a certain job. You also need to keep track of your expenses, right? Because all of that is deductible against his income tax return. And because he had earned income, he he had to file an income tax return. So I was very careful about making sure that 15% went into a separate account that, you know, I was still the guardian on it, um, but it was, it was the top 15% just straight off the bat went into a separate account. Um, then we had his operating account, right, where the bulk of the money went into. But I would use those funds to pay for his transportation because that was deductible to him, right? Um, and it was not inexpensive. You know, we touched on that a little bit, but I would keep very good track of that. You know, he had his audition outfits. And if it was an audition outfit that we had to pay a little bit more money for than just play clothes, right? Because you needed them to look a certain way. That was part of his his expenses, his operating expenses. And so I was very good about, I had an Excel spreadsheet and I would just keep track of what he took in and what our expenditures were. My accountant was very happy at the end of the year that I had all those records and receipts because there's there's that business side of it, right? And even just to have your paperwork in order, you know, you had to get a permit you know, depending on the state that you were working in, you had to apply for a permit. And so I had a to-go bag, right? And it was always packed and ready to go. I had a copy of his permit, a copy of his birth certificate, his social security card, um, his resume, his headshots, right? And it was all in, you know, our New York bag. And that's what we called it. It was the New York bag. I love that. And, and so, you know, we had some snacks in there, some hand wipes, you know, just gum, Tic Tacs, right? I mean, just things. I think I had a toothbrush in there. Like just things that you would need, right? And so it was always at the ready. It it almost seemed like, you know, when you had your pregnancy bag, right? When you're going to have a baby and you had your bag ready for the hospital, we had our bag ready to go to New York. But it had all that paperwork that we could possibly need, right? Which also speeded things up when you were on set in the morning, right? When they, they needed to review the documentation, 
here it is. I have it all right here for you. So you have to think of it as an organized business. You know, your child's a business basically, right? You may not create an LLC for him, but he is working. He's earning money. Some of that money needs to, to be demonstrated, to be put aside for him. All of it was put aside for him. And ultimately he was able to drive the Jeep that he's driving right now. We call it the Nutella Jeep because he had it. He earned enough money over the course of the years that he was acting to be able to buy something he really, really wanted. And I think it also got us into a Rangers playoff game one year. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but but it was it was income to him. Right. And so being a good steward of his finances, I took that role very seriously as his momager. Right. In that in that he wasn't old enough to make his own business decisions about where his money went and how it got spent. We would occasionally, you know, splurge on something silly in the city. You know, he would, he would decide that he wanted, Oh gosh, there was this one pair of sneakers that he wanted. And I just could not justify the expense of these sneakers. And he's like, but I have money. I've been working. Why can't I have these sneakers? So I'm like, all right, well, those can be your New York sneakers that kid would get compliments on the subway about those sneakers. And every time he got a compliment, he'd be like, see, I told you they were cool sneakers, you know, (laughs) but, but it was, but he had his own money to be able to buy that. Right. And so that was, that was very rewarding for him, but I did feel like I needed to be a steward on his behalf of the money that he earned. So it would be available to him for things that were important to him. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a good story. I love that. Um, <laughs> I can picture those sneakers in my mind. Too. Can you really? <laughs> yes, I can. They were bright green. They were lime green and turquoise. Yep. Oh, that's wild. I love that. I love that. No, that's really great information. So, um, so Susan, the business side of it is definitely a big part that is going to take some time for the parent to do, to execute that. There is a time frame that you have to kind of add in. I know I used to do a lot of it very late at night and it was easy for me to sneak it in when, you know, children were in bed and things were settled, mm-hmm. whatever. But I love all that information. This has been just incredible. The amount of information that you have shared <laughs> for parents. This has been so good. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to share in closing? Any, any other points you want to make or share with the listeners at this point? Sure. You know, I think... The thing that was so nice about it was the bonding time that Jeremy and I had. You know, we had that excitement of going into the city, the excitement of of figuring out how to get to the next place. We found fun little places that we would go back to time and time again. There was, you know, one deli at the bottom of the, you know, the over by Italy, right? We would go to Italy. We would go to Shake Shack in the park. Like we had different places that we would go that became our places. And it's funny because just two weeks ago, we went into New York to go to a Rangers game and we got into this city a little early. And we, so we had some time and he said, you know, do you remember, I think it was on Fifth Avenue, there was that, that gem store. And I said, yeah. He said, why don't we just walk over there? We have some time. We'll just walk around in there. And I truly, it was just a store, a random store that we happened to stumble upon one day when we were acting, right? When he was acting. And he remembered that a couple, you know, years later, right? It's, it's been a couple of years. And, and it was just a time that we shared shared a place that we shared a common experience. And we went back to that place two weeks ago and walked around like, 
like old times, right? Oh, that's so great. It was, it was really sweet. It was really touching that he remembered it and it was special then and it's special now. And I think that when we both look back at that time, we realized that it was, it was an opportunity to share something that we wouldn't have had otherwise, you know, and we, we had plenty of activities, you know, he was in ice hockey for years. Um, he was on a tennis team in high school. You know, we, we did plenty of other things, right. But I was a spectator. And I think that what was so special about the time that he was acting is that we did it together, right. He was, he was the kid, he was the actor, he was the one that they were hiring, but but I wasn't just a spectator in the process. I was a participant in the process. And, and that to me is an invaluable amount of time that you don't always find in different activities that, you, that your kid is involved in. Exactly. And, and that was really special for both of us. Mm-hmm. And, and we both look back at it very fondly. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, and, and it, it was a great opportunity. And it, you know, it, it ended, right? It had a natural ending. There were a variety of circumstances that, that made him realize that maybe I'm not ready to do this anymore. Or I, and really he wanted to focus on his ice hockey. Right. And there are certain things that you can't do if you're acting because you've got this commitment. Right. So it reached a natural ending for him. Um, And so I think that I also needed to respect that too. Right. It was great while it lasted, but when he realized it was time to dial it back, then I needed to respect for him that it was also time to dial it back as his mom. And I'm very grateful for the time that we had doing it, but I wasn't so sad when it ended, right? Because I knew that he was ready to move on to something else. And that was, that was important for him, for his development. And, and so we're all, we're both very happy with what it was and when it was over. So it looks like you, really had a great time with Jeremy in the city, wonderful opportunities for him, lots of opportunities for you guys to bond. Can you talk, I know you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you have another son, Michael, can you talk about the dynamic of how all of that was handled when you were spending that time with Jeremy? How did things work out and how did you work those things out? You seem like you had such a handle on how to um, work through the industry and all the things that Jeremy needed to do. How did you work through the fact that the other sibling was not a part of that? It it was challenging at times, you know, and I think if you ask Michael, he would tell you it was challenging at times, Uh, you know, because, because of the dynamic of how much time you need to spend with the auditions, right. And going into the city and, and, and all of that preparation time, I'm sure he felt left out at times, but it wasn't something he was interested in doing. And so what I tried to do, um, was make myself available to him. You know, maybe there were times that that Jeremy's dad took him into the city because I had an event with Michael that, you know, Michael wanted me to be at that event. And so I made different arrangements for, for Jeremy that day. Um, as I had said earlier too, you know, my mom and my sister were, were, very helpful to me at the time. And so one of them would be able to be home and Michael got home from school, you know, and and, and so that was, that was useful, but you know, there's no substitution for mom either. Mm -hmm. Right. And so sometimes you need to make those other arrangements for the child who's acting so that you can be available to the child who isn't acting and be at his scout event or be at his game and, and make him an important part of who he is independent of how he functions as being the brother of an actor, you know, because that child's still important and, and is, and, and still deserves your focus and attention. 
even though it's easy to get wrapped up in the excitement of the child who's acting, you can't ever really forget the excitement of, you know, your Cub Scout who just earned a new rank or, you know, the, the baseball game that maybe only got there for the last couple of innings for, but you celebrate that as much as you celebrate the fact that Jeremy just got a booking, you know, and and you have to be really conscious and work really hard to make sure that your, your family is your family, right? And that you don't sacrifice a relationship with one child to have a different relationship with it, with your other child. And, and that's not easy, you know, and I'm sure that there were days that Michael felt left out or, you know, I was supposed to be home at a certain time and we got in traffic at the tunnel. And so we didn't get home in time. And, and that, that was hurtful. I'm sure that there were times that, that it was, it was difficult for him. And I tried to be aware of that. And as much as I could be there for him as well. And, and it's a delicate balancing act. It, it really and truly is. Very so. cool. Very cool. I love this. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. Amazing material. Just so much information <laughs> for parents that are considering it or her, or for parents who are already in and trying to navigate it. It has been mm-hmm. really great. I really appreciate it. Thank you so oh, much. You're welcome. My pleasure. Join me every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Need more information? Visit lbctalent.com. And you can follow me on socials at Lisa Solek underscore LBC Talent. By sharing our stories, we can help other talented individuals land the career of their dreams.